Welcome to the highest road, a path that leads from within our own being, where each one of us has a direct and living connection to Source or God. The highest road, the courage to claim our power and to take responsibility for our choices. We live in an interconnected universe. Every loving thought we think, every step we take in the direction of self-empowerment and spiritual integrity, not only moves us forward, but improves the world at large for everyone. The world is as we are. Hello, everyone. It's Matt and Rose here for another edition of the Highest Road podcast. And today our topic is allowance. Allowance is a spiritual principle that acknowledges the free will of others and letting go of any control or desire to interfere or manipulate in the lives of others. Practicing allowance means that we acknowledge that everyone is free to walk their path without judgment or interference from us. Inherent in the law of allowance is the understanding that we have no control over anyone other than ourselves. We do not have the right or the obligation to fix anyone or interfere with their choices. We understand that each individual is on their own evolutionary path, and their choices and resulting consequences are part of their life lessons, just as our choices are part of our life lessons. I think it might be important here to stop for a second and mention that when we are talking about allowance, we're not talking about the relationship between parent and child. There's a special contract between parents and children. As parents, we're here to provide guidance to our children and teach them to act as decent human beings with a moral compass. You know, as they get older, we may find ourselves allowing them to make their own decisions about things and make mistakes. And at some point when they become sovereign adults, we have to let go of the control and let them live their lives. Yes, Mac, I think that's a very important point. So it's not permissiveness in that sort of free-for-all sense. The same dynamic would apply, for example, with a teacher-student relationship with young children or in a work situation where there are certain, you know, certain behaviors or or expectations that, that a boss might legitimately have of an employee. I think a lot about allowance isn't always just about expecting a certain behavior, which we are entitled to do in certain circumstances. But I think that there's, as you've touched on, it's a deeper allowance that even, even with young children, we, are, we have the responsibility to, if you like, monitor their behavior. But I also feel that the essence of allowance, as far as I'm concerned, is acknowledging the sovereignty of another being, that their own wisdom their own knowingness and allowing them and helping them to trust that. So even with young children, while we have every right and responsibility to expect certain behaviors and attitudes and cultivate them for the child, we can also have an allowance for their innate knowing. So it isn't that we have to micro control every aspect of their lives. We have a broad sweep of 
expectation and even rules. But within that, we allow them to begin to trust themselves and to even make mistakes and not to be chastised for mistakes. For me, allowance is a lot around that. I remember a few weeks ago, I was in a supermarket and behind me, I could hear a conversation and there was a child and there was the granny and there was the mother. And the child, a little boy, I think he was about six, he must have done something he thought was wrong or that he did something stupid. I don't know what it was, but he said it to the granny and the granny said to him, you're allowed to make mistakes. (laughs) And I just felt for a child to hear that, that it was okay to make mistakes, that he wasn't wrong, he wasn't bad, he wasn't going to be punished. And And I turned around to the granny and I said, that's a wonderful message for a child to hear. And she said, sure, I make mistakes all the time. I said, so do I. (laughs) So when we are talking about even the legitimate authority of a parent with a child or teacher with a child, it isn't about controlling or being punitive. It's in the spirit of fostering the child to begin to become self-responsible and to allow them gradually to gain a sense of their own knowingness and that they can eventually make the right decisions for themselves. And if they make mistakes, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. They've just made a mistake. It's a matter of guidance rather than control. Yeah. Practicing allowance is very much in alignment with God's source. Source allows. Source allows even non-spiritual behavior. When I'm practicing allowance, it allows me to step away from judgment. Source does not judge. Even though I experience things through my own perceptual filters, when I'm mindful of allowance, I make no judgments. When in allowance, I acknowledge that people have the right to live their lives according to their own choices, without any judgment from me. I remember reading an article a long time ago where the author referred to the practice of allowance as being fluid. I really resonated with that concept. When I'm fluid, I'm not making judgments. Judgments are the opposite of being fluid. When I make judgments, I become stuck. The energy around the situation stops flowing, and I'm stagnant, and I am stuck with the judgment I made. When I'm fluid, I'm not making judgments, and I'm able to see more sides of a situation. I remember a spiritual teacher who was talking about strong opinions and judgments. She took the word opinion and broke it down to open it on, meaning you are wearing your opinion like a badge and not allowing for other sides of the situation to be considered. I feel for me, anyway, how I've learned to become more allowing, because I certainly wasn't years ago, is I think healthy self-knowledge, understanding that we all have the capacity for the highest, if you like, the most godly and the most ungodly expressions. Some of the aspects of allowance is beginning to accept the full spectrum of my own being, if you like, of the, the highs and lows and the range of emotions. And for example, it can happen very easily in spiritual circles in particular to only want to see or express what people consider as positive emotions or be constantly positive 
to the extent that what is perceived as negative emotion is put down or is crushed in both in self and others. We have to be able, I think, to be fully human. It's not that it's ideal that we would have so-called negative emotions, but they are actually part of the expression of how we are in a particular time. Giving somebody the permission, as it were, to express or to be in what we consider a negative state can actually be very allowing. I know that myself, I've been in situations where, especially when people have a very big thing about being positive, and if you express anything, even if you say something like, I'm afraid this, or I'm not sure about that, and you're told to go, oh, be positive, you can't be negative. And while the intention might be good, it isn't allowing somebody to just be true to who they are in that particular moment. And in preparation for this, I was just revisiting, it's a poem about listening. I don't know if you've come across it, and we can put a link to it on the website. But it's like, when I ask you to listen to me, and you tell me what to do, you haven't done what I asked you to do. I think one of the greatest expressions in our everyday life, because when we think about these concepts, I kind of say to myself, well, how can I put this into practice in my life? And one of the ways I feel that we can practice allowance is by listening. We can certainly have chats and have banter with somebody. But when we sense that somebody is trying to express something that's important to them or that they may not have been able to express to anyone before, often the kindest and most allowing thing we can do is to be quiet, but to be present and not jump in with suggestions or advice. So for me, I know that when I have been listened to in that way and been allowed to explore or just to falter maybe or to have a bit of quietness and see what comes out next, that that type of allowance is one of the most healing things I've ever experienced. Become a bit more conscious of how we listen, that we don't always have to jump in with advice. And even when I was doing coach training, there was a lot of talk about active listening. And I, I do think there's a great advantage to that. But part of me feels that active listening could be that while you're speaking, I'm actively thinking of what I'm going to say. For me, that <laughs> has that feeling that I'm kind of active, whereas I feel for me part of allowance is cultivating what I would call receptive listening. And when people sense that sense of that you're just receptive to what they're saying, then that allows them to explore. It allows them to express something that they may even be ashamed of. And once it's expressed, it diffuses and it heals. The part of listening that presents the most challenge is understanding that I am listening through my own filters. I bring my own experiences, I bring my own beliefs to what the person is saying. And when I do that, I am much more likely to make a judgment. When I listen without judgment, I can respond out of love. It is important for me to always remember that source allows and source is love. Sometimes when I'm hearing somebody tell me of difficulties they may be having, I have a desire to jump in, try to save, and fix it all. When I do that, I perceive them as a victim, and they are not victims. When I try to fix or save somebody, 
It is so easy to get caught into the blame game and all kinds of energetic entanglements that I want to stay away from. What I can do is respond with love. And doing that will keep me in a centered space and not offering any advice unless I'm asked. And as you said earlier, Mac, source allows us to explore, allows us to make mistakes. And I'm sure everyone listening to this, as well as ourselves, we can look back on things in our lives where it might have seemed that we were making mistakes. Even to ourselves, it might have seemed we were making mistakes, but certainly to people around us, they might have judged us as making mistakes. But when we look back now, we may see that they were the greatest learning opportunities. And what seemed to be a mistake took us on a journey of self-knowledge and exploration that if we'd gone in the straight and narrow, as it were, we would never have learned. So like what seems to be a mistake can often be the greatest opportunity, you know, by our mistakes we learn. We often learn about these principles from being at the receiving end of a misapplication of them, if you like. Okay, so sometimes we learn for example, we might learn about the damage that gossip can do when we realize people have been gossiping about us. And sometimes we need to be at the receiving end of that to see, well, that actually is hurtful and it's damaging. And I can remember years ago, there was a situation where I was going in a particular direction. I wasn't doing, doing anything very dramatic, but I was going potentially in a direction that probably would not have been helpful, put it that way. And a friend I told about it listened. And then when I decided to go to not go in that direction, if you like, I decided, no, I'm I, that isn't where I'm going. And I said it to her. And she said, thank goodness, I've been praying so much that you wouldn't do it. And the way it was said, I know it was meant lovingly, but I felt I felt actually almost violated that somebody had decided and was praying for me to take a direction that she felt was better for me. And in a sense, it was better. But I felt really it was none of her business, to be quite honest. And it felt like an intrusion and somebody deciding for me what was best for me without the allowance for me to, to go ahead and to try something and then maybe realize that it wasn't appropriate. But that, that had a huge influence on me. And that's why I think sometimes you know, in general, part of the highest road for me is learning from the times when I feel at the receiving end of something I feel isn't healthy or spiritual, if you like, and then it shows me not to do that with others. But it really was a big, big lesson for me not to, not to impose, even on the level of thought or prayer, my interpretation of what's best for somebody else. Wow, that's a great example, Rose. It leads to the discussion of how we pray for someone without getting into our own filters and praying for what we think the best outcome for them would be. I had a dear friend whose husband had a very serious heart attack. She asked me to pray for her, but he was in a coma and he was very likely to pass. So I just held them both in a space of love and prayed for the highest good for them both. Not placing any specific outcomes on what I thought would be best for them. As Rose mentioned, that would be an energetic interference. Yeah, that's one I've wondered about too, because I certainly would have been in the 
pray for specific things club for many, many thinking I was doing good for somebody. You know, for example, if you hear of somebody being sick and you might pray that they'll get better, it's a very kindly expression. But, you know, maybe it isn't in their destiny to get better on one level. And how are we to know? So I feel more and more I am just holding them in love and trusting that just as I am gradually beginning to trust my own path and my own inner connection to source, that I trust that for them and acknowledge for them that at some level they know, even they may not know consciously, just to respect them. It's almost like there's a line from a poem by John Milton where he says, they also serve who only stand and wait. I think it's a really nice line. So sometimes just say if somebody is going through a struggle, just being with them, being present to them without making a demand that they change. And ironically, whether it's praying for, whether it's that kind of a situation like praying or somebody going through a tough time, sometimes just being present to them and they know that you've got their back, as it were, they can relax and then they will find their solution themselves and respect their innate strength, even if they don't yet realize they have it. I actually feel to read a few lines from that poem about listen. It's, it's talking about sometimes when we ask people to listen to us or people ask us to listen to them. Like that we've said earlier, we feel like we have to jump in with advice or solve the problem for them. It's a very well-known poem. When you do something for me that I can and need to do for myself, you contribute to my fear and inadequacy. But when you accept as a simple fact that I feel what I feel, no matter how irrational, then I can stop trying to convince you and get about this business understanding what's behind this irrational feeling. And when that's clear, the answers are obvious and I don't need advice. Wow, that's powerful. Another aspect I feel around allowance is that I would imagine that most people listening to this, these talks from us have a sense uh, or certainly a wish to be of the greatest service that they can be, not just to themselves but to the planet and to life in general. And a lot of that is raising our own frequency. It is becoming more self-sovereign, becoming more responsible in how we use our energy. I think we would all agree with that, that the, the stronger the light we hold ourselves, the, the more benefit we can be of to others, not because we're going around shining our light on individual people, because that, again, would be in, interference, but because the quality of stillness and peace that we hold as we grow in spirituality is of benefit, not just to ourselves, but to others around us, just as we know if we've been in the presence of somebody who holds that sense of peace, we feel it and we benefit from it. And I feel that practicing allowance allows us to focus on strengthening our own light, strengthening our own frequency. Whereas if I decide it's my business to check on everybody else's frequency, then I'm running around trying to fix everybody else and my own light gets diminished. It's a very simple analogy is in a group that we were involved in, Mac, you'll remember that there was a suggestion to tend to your own garden, look after your own garden. And I sometimes got the image that, you know, like, for example, where we live here, it's a block. So I imagine if I could spend my time tending my own garden or else I could get up on the wall 
and have a look at everybody else's garden. Oh, look, she's got weeds and they've got this and they've got that. In the meantime, my own garden is completely neglected, but it's actually short-circuiting our own spiritual growth if we run around trying to interfere with other people because we're not doing what we're here to do. It's actually a way of, in a sense, avoiding the real work that we have to do. The challenge for me comes when I'm watching the news. Most of the time, I can stay centered, but when it comes to offenses against children and animals, I'm screaming at the TV and I'm being the judge, the jury, the executioner. At those times, I find that remembering the universe as its own system of checks and balances, that helps keep me centered. Call it karma or the law of cause and effect. But the universe can take care of itself much better than I can. There's a line in, you know, the Desiderata mm-hmm. poem, and there's something like, whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding it the way it should be. That's not verbatim. Whether it's clear to you or not, <laughs> we, d- we don't have to supervise everything in the cosmos. <laughs> the help you give is your own frequency. Right. The help that I can give the universe is to stay peaceful, stay centered, stay mindful, and stay in allowance. To stay in that place, I have a lot of work pulling weeds out of my garden. Another analogy is the caterpillar going into the cocoon and then gradually emerging as the butterfly. And I've heard stories, you know, sometimes, especially children, because inside the cocoon can be struggling. It's, it's breaking out of, of one form into another. And you might get a child who knows this and actually wants to help the butterfly by opening it up and letting it out ahead of time. And actually, it's weakening it by doing that. It's interfering with that need to have that struggle to, to break out of its own constriction, if you like. And if we try to short circuit that for anybody, we're actually not doing them a service. In the short term, it might look like we are, but in the long term, it's not. I think we covered most of what we wanted to cover in this podcast. I think an important point to remember is that source allows the full expression of individuals, even if those expressions are opposite of the love of source. Allowance is acting as source would act, viewing them with unconditional love. It also reminds me of the well-known serenity prayer, which I looked up before we had this conversation. And I think it's good to remind us of that, to grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. From my perspective, that wisdom comes in time. And it's by allowing ourselves, if we're talking about allowance, allowing ourselves to make the mistakes and then come back into balance. So just like that granny said to that child in the shop that day, you're allowed to make mistakes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be talking again soon. Namaste. Namaste. You've been listening to The Highest Road Podcast. We welcome your comments, questions, and feedback. Please contact us via our website, www.thehighestroad.com, or through our email at highestroadpodcast at gmail.com. We invite you to visit our website for additional meditations, blogs, and tools to assist in your journey. Blessings on your path as you walk the highest road.